Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. This week we have Falling Down and Edmund. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at MNDriveInPod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to themidnightdrivein at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food or drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. Drive away your worries and cares at this drive-in theater. That's why, to familiarize you with the movie rating symbols which will be used by this theater, we present the following guide for parents and young people. X, no one under 17 admitted. Uh, I saw like a, it wasn't necessarily like a video, but it was like a memo that somebody had sent out because apparently the guy was like remoting into his computer then forgetting that he had remoted into his computer. So he was like watching porn. So, like, <laughs> so whoever was in the office, it was just popping up on that screen too. Or? Yeah, yeah. Awesome. Like like his computer at his desk, like all of a sudden, porn would just show up on it because there's like an option that you can just black it out. So your your the screen of the computer you're remoting into will just be black. Apparently, he did not do that. Yeah, they're just like, yeah, we can see you watching porn. Could you not do that, or at least black your screen out? Either black your screen out or maybe just save the porn for off business hours when nobody else is here. <laughs> That's a nightmare. Uh, so in my uh, in my incredible run of odd ailments, such as uh, breaking my ass somehow and, and all that, now I have an umbilical hernia. Oh, nice. So, so I get the wonderful pleasure of multiple times a day having to literally shove a piece of my intestines back into my body. That does it hurt? Pleasant. No, that's the weird thing. It doesn't. It doesn't hurt, but it. Uh, I don't. I, I keep. I have such a hard time describing what it does. Like, have you ever done something that doesn't hurt, but it it feels yucky and it makes you like it makes the nerves in your body go crazy and like you feel like you're gonna pee or something like that? Do you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> sure. It's that feeling like your body just goes, ah, what the fuck? <laughs> it's not pain. It's just shock or something. Uh, I think I have one of those. But when I brought it up to my doctor, he said he didn't think that's what it was. So, like, all right. Just like my belly really? button has like a weird bulge in it that didn't used to be there. And yeah. basically his response was in, you know, less medical terms, like basically You've gotten too fat, so your belly button is trying to stretch, and it's causing problems. I, I really think that that's a problem in the medical profession now. Like, I get it. I get that I'm fat, like, mm-hmm. and that that's causing me health problems. But at the same time, you can't just, like, every time somebody that's overweight goes, I've got something wrong with me, go, we'll lose some fucking weight. And it's like, no, fuck, fuck you. You're a doctor, <laughs> goddammit. Yeah. So I don't know. I've tried. I've tried to explain it to him, but he just doesn't seem to think that's what it is. Because it's got like that bulge, and when you push on it, you kind of get the uh, the tug down south. You know. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. 
He doesn't tell. So I don't know. Yeah. We were trying to have a nice, pleasant conversation about funny Zoom conferences. You guys turned it into this shit so quickly. What injuries oh, have fun. you had, Doug? Uh, nothing like that. I don't. Oh, that's boring. I'm trying to think of like like I've broken a few bones here and there, but not as an adult. As an adult, I've had very few injuries. Mm. I, I will casually point out that I lost a bunch of weight and that I stopped having so many health problems. So technically, you guys are wrong. Your doctor no, is right. No, you're one hundred percent. That's that's not what I'm saying. One hundred percent. I should lose weight, and if I lost weight, it would help me with a lot of medical issues. Mm. But that does not discount the fact that just because I'm overweight, you should still treat the fucking medical issues. <laughs> like there has to be some sort of. Some sort of thing other than just, hey, you're fat. Stop being fat to fix it. Exactly. Uh, so, yeah. So so that's all interesting because it took me two days to get a hold of my doctor because, you know, all, all the COVID stuff. So there's no staff. So there's no one there to answer the phones. And finally, they called me back today and they were like, OK, well, you need to get online and sign up for this thing and then call back in and we'll set you up a virtual visit. And basically, I'll Skype with my doctor instead of going into the office. Yeah. And I was like, okay, that sounds good. So I got online. I set the thing up. And then, of course, I called back. And nobody answered the phone. And I called back ten more times today. And nobody answered the fucking phone. So I was like, oh, well, that's completely fucking useless what you just did. <laughs> have you guys um, Have you guys noticed that with all the new technology that exists in this world, nobody has figured out how to just forward the secretary's phone in the office to her home phone or cell phone <laughs> so she could just be at home and still answering the phone. I don't know why that technology right. is so complicated. It's not. Everything... My, my work phone is forwarded to my cell phone right now. <laughs> People are just dumb. It's, just, it's one of those strange things. Yeah, and then bas uh, basically what I got told is I need surgery to fix this thing. Mm -hmm. And uh, but it's not like an emergency, right? So I can go for a while without it. And because of the COVID-19 stuff, they won't do surgery on you if it's not yeah. like life saving because the risk of infection is too high. So basically, they're just telling me I'm going to end up just sitting and waiting and just like I can just keep shoving my intestines back in every once in a while. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> but when you have a hernia, there's a chance it becomes strangled, which is like basically the blood flow gets cut off to that piece of the intestine and then it gets necrotic and it can kill you. Yeah. So it's not an emergency until it is an emergency, at which point it becomes like a desperate, I need to go to a fucking emergency room and have them slice me open right now or I'll die kind of situation, which I don't like that. I don't like the fact that those are my two options right now. <laughs> yeah. I would prefer... I would prefer to just go in and get the little surgery done and be done with it. But, yeah, but there is a, a global pandemic going on, and your right. country is, is the center of that pandemic at this point. So, Right, right. And, I, and I'm 100% with that, and, and I totally agree with them. I'm just saying the timing's awful. And so, it, like, I've got a lot of stress on me right now. My wedding's this year and all this stuff's fucking with it, and it's just fucking everything. <laughs> Uh, Everything can happen. Yeah. Are you guys holding up with the whole quarantining thing? Is it bugging you much? Well, we got I'm... cops going. We got we got cops going around now, giving people tickets if there's more than five people gathered together that don't live in the same house. 
Well, like I, like I said before, uh, apparently I'm one of the 10 people in my entire building that are not going to be working from home, so I still have to go to the office every day. <laughs> I'm, uh, I haven't left my house in about three weeks. So, more importantly, breaking news. Apparently, DJ Jazzy Jeff is recovering from pneumonia. Oh, no. And the doctors are fearing he may have coronavirus. I thought you were going to say the doctors are fearing he'll have a full recovery. And apparently, <laughs> he started his rapping career. And apparently, he's not doing too well. Oh. Uh, speaking speaking of that, have you guys noticed that of of the celebrities being affected, it seems like there's a disproportionate amount of musicians that seem to be getting the worst of it that are like in critical and stuff, like John Prine's in fucking critical. Uh, oh fuck! I can't remember the guy's name. There's a movie composer that died. Mm-hmm. Well, I think like a week ago. Musicians don't have the healthiest lifestyle because they're on the road a lot, and they're also exposed to tons and tons of people because they're on the road a lot. So I think they're at a very high risk in most cases. Damn, fucked up. I have somebody that I work with that's super conservative, and just listening to them talk from day to day and changing you know because of course they're they're doing the weird thing where whatever Trump says is the accurate thing <laughs> so whenever it first started there was 20 cases and that's all there was ever going to be mm-hmm. and then they were like well it's never even going to get here it's going to be done in a week and then <laughs> you know oh it's not going to be this and, and now they're just going oh well you know if they can keep that number under 200,000 then we're doing really good and it's like two weeks ago <laughs> You were insisting it wouldn't be more than 20 people. Like, for fuck's sakes. I I fucking hate those people. Mm -hmm. Apparently we only lost like 115,000 in World War I. That's a fun stat. If we could lose almost double of what we lost in World War I, that means we're doing really well. Good lord. (laughs) Right. Aren't you guys late to join World War I, too? Ah, probably. Yeah. And fucked up any of our shit yet? So yeah, it's just nuts. I I mean, because I'm cool with I'm cool with the fact that everybody doesn't know what's going on and all this kind of stuff. But whenever you have doctors and shit from the very beginning going, "Hey, this isn't going to be as bad as it can be for like another two months. Maybe you guys should uh, watch your shit." And then those assholes ignore it and only now be like, oh, well, this is bad. And it's like, well, yeah, if you assholes would have been behaving correctly two fucking months ago, <laughs> maybe we could have prevented a little bit more. Yeah. People still don't care. They, they really don't. There's a shocking number of people who refuse to just self-isolate. And I don't get it. I don't understand what's so hard about it. I get some people can't, like, you know, people who have jobs that they can't or businesses that they can't just leave but people who have the option of staying home I don't know why you can't just do it I understand it's not as easy but still do it right and I wouldn't want to wish ill on anybody but man that televangelist who called it a hoax and then died of it fuck that guy yeah he did that that's that's as close to deserving death as you can get well, the, yeah, like I, I don't want anyone to get it, but it does seem more fair if the people who are choosing to ignore the warnings are the ones that get it rather than them just like transmitting it 
to some other person who's doing their best to stay home. Right. And I read today, which I'm assuming we're going to get into later, but apparently Joe Exotic got coronavirus and now he's isolated in jail. <laughs> I, I, fucking, I fucking saw that. Did you guys, okay, like, this is, we're just going to go right into this part of it, because I watched that whole series yeah. this week. I would be, and... I would be less surprised if you told me that Joe Exotic was patient zero, that this entire disease <laughs> originated from <laughs> his blood. blood created the disease yeah. and spread it. But, like, did you guys read the part where the alligators that died were Michael Jackson's alligators? No. And the the docu-series didn't even get around to mentioning that because it wasn't weird enough to bring up in that shit show of a documentary. <laughs> Apparently those alligators that died in, like, in that fire mm-hmm. were fucking... I don't know if they were, like, currently Michael Jackson owned them and he just kept them there or if they were formerly his or what, but that's fucking weird, right? That is weird. <laughs> and the, like, the fact that that documentary series didn't bring it up because they just didn't didn't get around to that. <laughs> they were busy going through the like three potential people who could have intentionally burned that thing down, all of whom it seems perfectly reasonable that they might have. <laughs> the the meme of Bill Hader doing his Saturday Night Live uh, character. What the, what the fuck's that guy's name? Stefan. Stefan. Yeah, it's a one armed lesbian <laughs> alligator arson. <laughs> Gay thruple. <laughs> I mean, that's exactly what it sounds like. It's the most ridiculous shit ever. Technically, not a gay thruple, just a gay guy using meth to trick two straight guys into thinking they're in a gay <laughs> thruple. Like, so fucked up. Like, that's. There's the, the weird, like, sexual assault angle that nobody's getting charged for anything for. Is like, you can't give people meth and demand sex favors and marriages in return that's got to be against a rule right uh, apparently you can i guess i don't know i was i was gonna say i think the problem is is you're like yeah okay maybe he used meth to like lure these guys into a weird forced relationship but then you've got the other dude who's clearly fucking underage girls and has a whole sex cult. And then you're like, nah, OK, well, <laughs> Joe's not that bad. I mean, all he did was meth these dudes up and get him to suck some dick. <laughs> I mean, I yeah. guess. But I, 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 I would posit that there's always the possibility of arresting both of them. I don't see why that's so. right. No, I agree. I, I, I agree 100%. I'm just saying that, unfortunately, in this show, there ends up being this weird bell curve. Man, that bell curve's real steep. <laughs> the, the high yeah. point on that curve's real, real high. Like you said, it's. I mean, either the guy with the underage sex cult, the woman who allegedly may have killed her husband and then fed it to tigers to oh, destroy she the did, evidence. She, she killed her or, husband. Or the guy that gives two guys meth for gay sexual favors. I mean, which one seems the least harmless in this situation? Once again, it's the guy that Scarface was based on. Let's let this. Yeah. Well, you know what? The guy that Scarface was based on only fucking guy that pays his employees out of all of those <laughs> pays, pays his employees and his uh his thing is a private collection not a not a like a weird like a petting zoo. zoo yeah i don't know if that makes it better or not 
I don't know. They're talking about making a season two. I don't know how they're going to do that, but I'm I'm stoked. I want to see it. Well, maybe maybe they could do a prequel again. Yeah. Just so we're just so we're clear, those alligators belong to Michael Jackson, and that didn't make it into the documentary because it wasn't weird enough. There's lots more to explore here. I'm sure. Uh, apparently, well, Joe Exotic now has coronavirus. He yeah. also apparently launched like an eighty-four million dollar lawsuit against the state of. Oklahoma or something while in jail. Yeah. Yeah. There's some weird thing going on. And then apparently the sheriff has been so enticed by the series that he's considering opening reopening up investigation into Carol Baskin's husband disappearing. Yeah. Uh, yeah they fucking I, should. No, I, I read an interview with that sheriff today, actually. Yeah. And he's full on. He's like, technically the case is open and we're open to taking, Suggestions, and they said they're getting like six calls a day with tips. And he's like, most of them are just people who watch the documentary and have their own theories and think we should investigate their personal theories, but don't have any real evidence. And he's like, but we keep taking the calls because if somebody finally gives us new information, we'll be happy to investigate it. Yeah. So, shit could happen. Uh, oh man! If they arrested her, that'd be the trial of the century now because everybody knows her. Oh going fuck into yeah! The trial. Oh, season two could just be Carol Baskin's trial. <laughs> and them dragging Joe Exotic and people in to testify against her. Oh, it's delightful. Oh. And Joe just keeps referring referring to her as that bitch Carol Baskin, like in the courtroom. Uh, yeah, that's, all, that's what I'm saying. Our whole court system right now in America is such a shit show. It might as well be reality tv so let's just go that direction so at least it's entertaining so what'd you think overall doug uh yeah it's definitely enthralling see i knew about the case of him getting charged with the with the attempted murder so i I knew that part and so that's why i wasn't too eager to watch this because i thought that was going to be the focal point Oh, no. I didn't anticipate no, no, no. watching like a fat guy ride an elephant. I, you know what I mean? Like everything that came out of this was just nuts. It's just, and I guess it, it to a certain extent it makes sense. The kind of people who run giant cat sanctuaries in like Oklahoma and South Carolina and Florida, especially, uh, are gonna be weird people, and they're gonna have these like you know transients who are willing to work at a zoo 12 hours a day in exchange for room and board are going to be the people who are there. That all kind of makes sense. But I don't know. It's still fucking weird. Yeah. Like I said, it's it's a steep incline. There's no peak of the show and then it goes down. It's just literally just up the entire way. It just just keeps getting more and more fucked up. Have Have you guys seen the one where somebody built a chart about the show and it's like potential murders slash something else and then uh oh man what is it there's like eight different lines that it you see the progression through the episodes and it's really funny because the chart's so fucking accurate (laughs) (laughs) so it's fucking crazy it's like it's weird that only one of those people in that whole thing has gone to jail because probably all of like probably all of them belong in jail for something oh most certainly yeah, what was it? Doc Antle's compound got raided or something, but there was nothing. They didn't like find anything. Well, they haven't said if they found anything or not. Yeah. Well, it, I will say this about the show: like some of the 
accusations and stuff that are thrown out. Like when they start accusing him of like burning his tigers to death, they present no evidence whatsoever to that. It's just some guy said maybe he does it. And it's like, well, oh. you've got to have evidence to make that kind of an accusation if you want this to be a serious documentary. Now, given the subject matter, I don't know that it should be a serious documentary. <laughs> I don't see. I don't know, because I, I would argue that there's mathematical evidence of that. So, so uh, his uh, his whole uh, thing is cub petting. And whenever you see his cub petting sessions, he's got about 10 cubs. Now, he's got to have 10 cubs. Pretty much all of his, let's just say it's just his busy season. So just during the summer. Well, Cubs get too big after what? Probably five weeks. So he's probably got to have two batches of 10 Cubs. That's 20 Tigers a year at, at a minimum. That's And that's a low ball number. So where the fuck are 20 Tigers a year going? They could gather zoos. They could be sold to private collectors. You know, uh, it could a, a be per, but a percentage but could still be there, but they, that's the thing is they don't ever address that. They right, don't. They don't go to him and say, what, "What do you do with the tigers when they get this big?" Yeah, but once again, if, if they, they simply asked him that question, then they'd be actually having a serious conversation. Right, but even if let's so even if he's selling them, that's still illegal. So no matter what he does, it's a crime. He those tigers have to end in a crime, otherwise he would have a million tigers. Does that make sense? Yeah, there's, I mean, there, there's no non-crime resolution. <laughs> okay, but if he's well, he could be donating them to legitimate zoos. Could be releasing them into the wild. <laughs> It'd be that'd be fun if all of a sudden, just everywhere in South Carolina, there was just tigers. <laughs> be like the fucking hippos down in Columbia. It'd be the best. <laughs> that would be the best fucking plague. Just all of a sudden, well, we've got fucking tigers now. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Like, Don't drive through South Carolina. Fucking tigers everybody, everywhere. Everybody still want to go to like Myrtle Beach for fucking uh, spring break? No, too many tigers. <laughs> you have to wear these special swimming trunks that look like they have eyes on the ass so the tigers won't attack you. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, I saw some, some meme that showed that tigers apparently have like white spots on the back of their ears. And it's... It's to uh, make it seem like they have eyes, so that if a predator comes up behind them, like, you know, they'll think they're watching them. And the meme's like, I'm not really interested in tigers having eyes on the back of their ears. I'm more interested in what the fuck does the tiger consider a predator that's going to fucking eat him? I don't think there's much. Another bigger tiger. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah, maybe he, like, fucked that other tiger's wife or something, and now he's just worried. <laughs> Apparently, in, gay tiger of, like, <laughs> in parts of, like, India and shit, there are people who work in fields, and they wear, like, masks on the back of their head that are designed oh, yeah, to yeah. confuse tigers. Like, that is yeah, a real I've thing. I've heard about that, yeah. I have no idea how we got this far off topic. We're supposed to be discussing Stuart Gordon movies. <laughs> a little bit of mediocre white male rage. It is crazy that we found two movies with the same title about the same thing. Which is white male privilege, because both of these should just be called white male privilege, the movie. Yeah, to a certain extent, yes. Well, <laughs> white, white, white male privilege with some understandable motives and then douchebag white male privilege. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, Doug, I know you were excited to watch Falling Down, so why don't you tell us what Falling Down is all about? Uh, so... Michael Douglas plays a guy who 
but we learn that he's divorced, living with his mom, and has lost his job. We don't know that at the beginning of the film, but basically he just he just snaps one day. Uh, so he decides he's going to walk across L.A. to get to his daughter to see her for her birthday, even though he's not allowed to. And Which is along weird. The way, you would think he could just take a cab. But... You, you would think he could take a cab. You would think he... Well, but he, he doesn't have enough money. He's has enough money to no, you're right, he doesn't ever really use any significant amount of money throughout this does he, he pays for everything he takes right. but it's all little shit yeah, um, it's all it's all in cash he, he, like throughout the whole movie it looks like he's got maybe 15 bucks on him or something yeah he's, he's definitely not doing well in life right um but anyways yeah so he first he trashes a convenience store and then he gets involved in like a gang shootout and things just keep escalating he eventually kills a nazi I mean, everybody's seen this movie, so I'm just kind of refreshing. Um, meanwhile, there's a second story going on of uh, Robert Duvall plays a police officer who's on his last day on the job, and he's the only one that has figured out that all of these incidents are connected and that they relate back to one guy, and he eventually uh, pieces together who it is and has to go solve the problem. Shoots him, knocks him into the water. Um, that's the plot, right? There's a, there's a few more stops along the way, which we can discuss each one as as necessary. But it's uh, the the plot is basically he just snaps and loses it and decides he's going to head across town to his daughter's birthday when he's not supposed to, and wreaks havoc along the way. Right, and things just uh, just keep escalating worse and worse. Yeah, I was going to say, although there's a, there's an obvious mental escalation kind of thing going on. But... Yeah. See this this movie I like a lot. Okay. Mostly because so Michael Michael Douglas's character is a villain. Like I think we can all agree that he's not. Like, he's, he's not a good guy. And a lot of people who watch this movie don't seem to fucking get that point, which is irritating. Well, okay, uh, make your point, and then I'll I'll respond. But but I was going to say, but at the same time, he's a pitiable character in certain ways. That so. He is a sick person who is turned into a monster by a sick society, if, if that makes sense. That's that's the whole thing. He was not good to begin with, but we probably could have avoided all the killings and all of the craziness if maybe people would have just been a little more fucking compassionate throughout the movie. <laughs> like the wife – so the wife – at one point they're talking about the uh, the divorce and the restraining order in which basically somehow this wife and this judge threw the fucking book at him for being a dick like and that's it that's at that point all he was guilty of was being a dick and he's got a restraining order can't see his daughter can't do all you know what I mean he he, he kind of got hosed yeah. For thought crimes, for for her claiming he has the potential to do violence, which is bullshit. Yeah, so. and the movie kind of skirts its way around that by having him do a lot of actual violence before they tell us that. Right. But it, I, like, you're right. That one particular element, I think he is a very pitiable character. I think this. I, there's there's a couple of things. I think the the not being allowed to see his daughter when he's never physically harmed the wife or daughter and has never even really threatened to. Um, I think is something where, yeah, I, I understand why that would be very, very upsetting to someone. Right. The, and the the other element where I think you do feel a little bad for him is he kind of just lost out of his job 
he's just kind of like an old he was only good at one thing and that thing got taken away from him and now what right I think right there, there's, li- there's an he's element with his there. mom you know yeah so I, but he was living with his mom when he had the job which is a weird side thing that we never get into because they never bring up why he's living with his mom like he didn't move in there when he lost his job so why is well, he sleeping in a single bed in his mom's house well, I think part of the part of the insinuation is that uh, even though he was building fucking missiles and is some kind of a rocket scientist, that he wasn't making very good money to begin with. <laughs> like probably decent money, but not good money. Yeah, they don't really get into it. I think that that's an element that could have been explored more. Yeah, and there's the whole thing of so the first the first few crimes, quote finger crimes are partially justified. I'm not going to say they are justified because that's not that's not true. His his reactions to things are not necessarily justified. But uh so the the clerk at the 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 Korean guy, he's being a piece of shit. Like <laughs> he really is. Now, did did he deserve to have his shop smashed up and get uh racial epithets and stuff shouted at him? No. Like <laughs> Michael Douglas's response wrong, but dude also was being a fucking complete asshole when he could have just gave the guy some change. I don't know. And then you've know, got. Yeah, I don't. I don't think I agree with you on that one. We'll we'll get into it. Well, and then I was like, and then you've got the the gang who kind of whenever they attack him while he's sitting in the park there, in which he goes out of his way to just try to be polite and get away from them. Yeah. And, the gangs, and they, gangs are bad. Right. And they continue to go forward and all that kind of stuff. So once again, you're like, OK, justifiable. And I think that also it kind of flies in the face of what a couple of the other characters keep saying, that he's got this god awful temper and just goes off at the slightest thing in which I think in the grocery store or the yeah the grocery store scene, you're kind of like, OK, yeah, that was temper. But with these gang members who just walk up and start fucking with him, he's just like. No, that's okay. I'm sorry. I was in your way. I'll just go. <laughs> but see, too. Okay, so for me, that makes the character a much worse human being because this guy who's running his store, he goes off on that guy because he has power over that guy, right? But those gang guys who he does not have power over, who could clearly decimate him, now he's just like kowtowing to them. And he's acting like a little wuss. And to me, that's like, you know, the the classic kind of wannabe tough guy that's willing to push around somebody who he can push around, but isn't actually going to stand up to people who are potentially stronger than him. And that's where I've, I've like that to me, that makes him a worse person, not a better person. I, could, I mean, I can see that that interpretation of it. Like my biggest problem with watching it, I, first of all, I've always liked this movie and I've always thought it was fun. I think they do a pretty good job of making sure that it's kind of like how they do in slasher movies. Like the people he like when he finally actually stabs a guy, he stabs a Nazi and you're like, yeah, no one's going to feel bad for that fucking guy. Right. So they they kind of do a good job of that. And it's just a fun little action movie on that level. I've always appreciated it. But watching it with like a bit of a more critical eye, knowing we were going to talk about it, I'm like this. First of all, I think intentional or not, I think that they play it off as though he is this pitiable character, that he is the the victim of this movie. 
and I, I just don't feel that way about this character. Yeah, because he's, he's not. Yeah, like, but but I think the film puts forth that he is. That's how I interpret I, the movie. I I would argue the movie puts forth that he is a victim. He is not the victim. Okay, because like. Because what, what ends up coming to me from this is I just like this movie to me just comes across like some kind of baby boomer wet dream where they're just like, yeah, they shouldn't have raised prices between the 60s and the 90s. So you're allowed to trash a guy's store for doing oh, that. One, 100 percent. Like, like to yeah, me, that boomer. is just like, like, that is just like, what the fuck? And then, of course, like, you know, every time he tries to go to a park, there's gangs because kids these days are just wrecking our society and rah, 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 rah. And it's it's just all that constantly. And then it's the, you know, I can't believe that these fucking people won't sell me breakfast when I want breakfast. And it's like, well, they have a policy on that. Like, get your head out of your ass. And I want to come in here and pay $2 for this burger, but I want it to look like that $15 burger in the picture. And it's like, shut up like it, 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 that's not how the world works and you fucking know that's not how the world works although Don't i go do in there although i do like i do like the fact that in those situations it always uh it always shows both sides of the coin so yes he's he's outrageous for throwing a fit and pulling out a machine gun over not getting breakfast four minutes after because he wants breakfast but at the same time you know there's that uh justification is the wrong word but there's that slight glimpse of the fact that the girl working behind the counter is fucking being an asshole and then he brings over the manager and the manager's being an asshole you know what i mean they're not like apologetic or anything they're just like no that's policy you don't get breakfast order something off the lunch menu you know which i don't in which once again i feel like all they had to do is be like i'm sorry we know we put that stuff away at that time we don't have it you know and in which that would have that it's it's good filmmaking in the fact that that way you don't get the easy answer because if they did that if if they you know were apologetic and he still did everything then he's clearly the bad guy in in this in this particular instance he is the bad guy but he's not like obviously the bad guy if that makes sense right because he's he's putting up with this smarmy asshole kid and stuff and you can kind of go yeah fuck those smarmy asshole kids you're wrong to think that but but i mean and that that's that's my point about this being like this entitled you know fucking guy who just he represents everything that's wrong with the world like you walk into a place and the person behind the counter says well our policy is to stop serving breakfast at this time and it's after that time so can you order off the other menu and you immediately asked to speak to a manager. He should have never even asked to speak to that manager. He should have said, well, that sucks that I'm late, but what are you going to do? I mean, right. hasn't every human being on the planet walked into a fast food place wanting breakfast and had to order lunch because they couldn't get breakfast anymore? Yes. Hasn't that literally happened to everybody you've ever met? It, uh, it is, but but once again, I, I will say this. That's not what happened, though. See, she didn't apologize and say you can't do it. She just immediately got an attitude and started rolling her eyes and stuff, in which if if that happened to me, I would ask for a manager just because don't fucking talk to me like that. <laughs> you know what I mean? yeah, just just I fucking be I... polite. That's all I need. Just be polite and I will be polite and, and I will apologize for inconveniencing you. You know, you know what I mean? But don't if you're going to be a little asshole. Fuck you. I, I don't know. 
I, I didn't take it that way. I'll, I'll say that. I didn't think she was doing much wrong. I think she was just a minimum wage worker who didn't really care about her job, and she just quoted the policy back like she's been told to do because it's in the handbook. I just I have less and less sympathy for this character, and it makes it harder to enjoy the movie because I feel the movie wants me to have more and more sympathy. And like the whole thing where he makes the big scene about it, the burger not looking like the picture, and I'm like, you knew what the burger was going to look like when you ordered it. There's no way that was his first time walking into that right. fast food place. And I, I just, I, again, I, he's so entitled, and I just get so frustrated with it. I'm waiting for him to break out into the speech about how when he was a kid he had to walk uphill to school both ways in the snow and shit. I'm just like, just shut up. Just This is how the world works now. Deal with it. Like, obviously, like, the gang guy is like, yeah, okay, he's the good guy in that situation because gang people shouldn't rob you. And obviously, when they have him go in and kill the Nazi, that's where I feel like it's just, it's literally like, again, I I feel like this is just a baby boomer's dream movie where they're like, yeah, we're the good guys. See what we did? See what we did? And I'm like, no, you, you didn't do that, though. I was was going to say, see, I I like that part of the movie, too. So the last time, not this time, but the last time I watched this movie, I watched it with a friend who hadn't seen it before. And and he got all super fucking murder horny whenever the guy kills the Nazi. And and we were kind of talking about it. And I was like, yeah, but he but defense is the bad guy in that situation. And he's like, no, the other guy's a fucking Nazi. And I was like, yeah, the other guy's a Nazi and a piece of shit and made terrible comments to a gay couple for no fucking reason but defense is a fucking murderer like that you can't compare those two things like well, one of them's a racist piece of shit the other one's a murderer the murderer is the wrong one and i think it's important to note too once again like he's he's worse than that because he's not just a murderer he is a guy who had a, a bunch of guns and a, and a lot of power in that situation, and he sat back and he watched this guy say these terrible things to these gay guys. He didn't. He could have said, "Hey, don't talk the way at them." He could have said, "I'm not going to buy boots at your store because I don't appreciate the way you talk." And he could have walked out. And then when he gets taken in the back room, and he's being shown all this Nazi stuff and all these terrible comments are coming out, he could go, "Look, this makes me uncomfortable. I want to leave." He could do that at any time, and he doesn't. When he finally does something is when the Nazi turns on him and says, I'm going to turn you into the police. That's why he stabs the Nazi. It's not because he's a Nazi. It's not because he said horrible things to to an innocent gay couple. It's not because of all of these terrible things that this other guy has done. He stabs him because the guy's going to turn him in. And that's it. I mean, that's the only real reason why he does it. Right. So it's to me, again, the movie, I think, wants you to believe that he's being heroic in that moment by killing this evil human being. And I'm saying, no, he's not being heroic. He's being he's being cowardly. He's choosing not to stand up against all of this terrible stuff until it's going to directly affect him because he's this entitled piece of garbage. Yeah. What do you think, I really, I, I really hated this character watching it this time around, and I, I just don't think I've ever thought that much about this movie because it came out in like '93. I was like 14 or something, and it was like that's funny when he shoots people. Like that's you know what I mean. Like that's that's an interesting idea. Well, I think that's I, hilarious. I think the nice thing is though, whenever you look at the more critical eye, yeah, you Michael Douglas's character, you like him a lot less. But the cop character, you like him a lot more because you kind of like once once again in the the fact that they play him off as like the antithesis character 
who instead of being this kind of angry, obstinate asshole, he's kind of this pushover who lets his wife walk all over him and, you know, takes a desk job just to make her happy and all that kind of stuff. And it, and once again, it makes him a good person, but it also makes him super fucking weak. Yeah, but I had I had issues with his character arc too because the idea of a character who's like he becomes sort of heroic by telling his wife to shut up and cook him dinner and have it so, on the table when he gets home. <laughs> like yeah, I was just like again, I was just, I was going to bring that up because I I one hundred percent agree with you because the issue is so whenever he finally tells her to shut up, you're like yeah. And then he's like, and have dinner ready. And I'm like, oh, no, no. <laughs> like, you went too far. One line too far. Stick with shut up. It's the way he talks about his wife throughout the whole movie. It's like they they want us to believe that he's just got this full love for this character. But, like, when he talks about how she had uh, – she didn't want kids, but he did. And she sacrificed for him and had a kid. Why does he mention her figure in that conversation? She's like, oh, she went through all that pain. She let her figure go. I'm like, that's not – I don't know. Like that's – you know, when you're discussing your wife giving birth to your child, her having a not as nice a figure after isn't – it's not what you would expect a decent human being to bring up. See, but I think think he means that on her behalf, that she lost her – Figure, you know what I mean? Not not that he lost his enjoyment of her figure, if that makes sense, because those are two completely separate concepts. I, I can agree with that, but it's still a weird thing to say. It's you know, and when you combine it with the "get my dinner on the table" comments, and and maybe like maybe there's an argument to be made that if you know, if she's never worked outside the home, maybe it is her job to have dinner on the table. I don't know, but that's the way it's portrayed is problematic. And the fact that he sort of snaps at her, even though he, she has every reason to believe that he's going to do what he's told because he's been doing that. He's, you know, retiring early because she wants to move. He's taken this desk job because she's scared of him getting shot, all this other stuff. And you're like, yeah, but then he just snaps at her one day because she's asking him, well, can you come home early on your last day at the job? And that's not the appropriate way to handle that. He should have talked to her properly and said, look, I understand that you want me home, but there's potential for safety here and uh, I've got to go deal with this. I don't know. And it is just sort of that classic like 80s cop character. It's like it's it reminds me of uh, of uh, Al Powell and in Die Hard how his like main character art is he finally learns how to kill again because he hasn't been willing to shoot people again. <laughs> like I find that like a really strange character arc where it's like I became a hero because now I'm willing to shoot people when I wasn't willing to shoot people yesterday like, ah, that's that's a strange outlook what'd you think of that rocket launcher Brian uh, well it was pretty sweet it was funny he didn't know how to use it and the kid had to tell him um, so I didn't want to interrupt because you guys were doing such a good job, but this is actually the first time I've ever seen it. Oh shit. We should have asked you what you thought first. No, no. I liked it because, <laughs> because, uh, me watching it for the first time. And this is one I've always kind of wanted to watch. I've just never had the opportunity to sit down and watch it. So this was a good excuse to, 
Um, I didn't really enjoy it all that much. And I think that's just because watching the trailer when I was younger and wanting to see it, I think I had put into my head that uh, Michael Douglas's character was a hero of sorts. Like he was just a guy who was tired of society just being shitty to each other. Kind of, you know, yeah. still going crazy, but maybe having a little bit more, a little bit more of a, uh, of a reason on his side. Yeah. yeah like I think more, the trailer shows be more justified. Yeah. Yeah. Justify. That's what I was trying to figure out. Uh, I think the trailer has like the, the breakfast thing and all that stuff. And I don't know. I guess when I thought I was going to watch it and what the movie was about was, was just a guy who just like is always getting shit on by society. And, and finally it just like kind of flips out about it and is still just like, yeah, like it's five minutes after you stop serving breakfast. But I mean, don't be a dick. Maybe just be like, yeah, we'll see what we can do and just get over it. But then, yeah, it turns out he's just a complete psychopath and, I'm just like, holy shit, like he's not a good person at all. So Man. I was gonna... left me without anybody to root for, I guess. Kind of what I was expecting going in. And that kinda of bummed me out. Yeah, I think that's acceptable. I don't think you're supposed to be rooting for anybody in this. No. Well, see, and, and see, again, that's I think the the flaw in the filmmaking is that I think it comes across as you are supposed to be rooting for him. And you know, like you can do that, right? You can make first blood where even though this guy's a psychopath who's doing crazy things, you're still rooting for him because all we've seen throughout the movie is people pushing him to that point. Mm-hmm. Um, or you can just make a dumb action movie where he just, where this same stuff happens and it's just funnier and you'd probably just not care so much about it. But this movie, in my opinion, it, it does make that mistake of making, of trying to make him too sympathetic. And it's like, it's not again, prices go up over the course of 30 years you know sorry you lost your job but that's rough like that's that's just the thing that happens to people you don't get to shoot anyone for it yeah and i think the turning point for me was when we find out that uh his him and his wife are getting divorced and she has a restraining order against them and for me i'm just like well and she must have a restraining order against them for a reason well so. yes and no she she even says though that they went into court and the judge decided to like really make an example out of Michael Douglas for no reason. Yeah. She, she even admits to that at the, whatever the cops are talking to. I think that has some weird implications too, because we're watching this movie in 2020 and there's like weird online men's rights activist groups that are like terrible, terrible people. But it, I, I do think that there is, and that's, there is sometimes a problem in courts where, you know, like if, if, if a man and a woman go into court fighting over a kid, a custody of a kid, you want to guess who's going to win. Like it, it, I think we all know that we all in sort of instinctively know that that's true. And I think that they are, they're trying to draw attention to that issue in this movie and saying like, look at what they did to this guy. But the problem is by the time they tell us that, we've already seen him do all these other terrible, terrible things. So we know that that judge and that wife were actually right. Like they were – you know what I mean? In this particular case, they were correct to have that restraining order in place. It's just a matter of – See, I would still say no. You can't can't punish people for thought crimes. 
You're right, but by the time we get to that point, by the time we're given that information, we it's not a thought crime to us as, as an audience anymore. We've seen right. him do these things. We've seen him beat up on a convenience store clerk because they have a policy of not giving out change and they charge 85 cents for Coke, which I think is about the going rate for a can of Coke in 1993. That seems very reasonable to me. I even noted that it's after the cans got bigger. So they went from the 280 milliliter size to the 355. So it should be more expensive than it was in the 60s because you're actually getting more Coke. It's a discerning eye you have for your Coca-Cola product. <laughs> I had to stop and think about it. I'm like, wait a second. Don't what get me wrong. Point? I appreciate that. I love me a Coca-Cola. <laughs> it wasn't just Coke. I think all the major soda brands did it at the same time. Yeah. Yeah, I do so, like so by the time we get to the point where he kills the Nazi guy and then he just loads up on military shit, I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> He's completely bonkers and I don't care if he ends up dying by the time this movie's over. Right. I well, do and- like the uh I like the end confrontation between the cop and defense just because I like uh I don't know, the the little bit of revelation that Michael Douglas's character actually has of, you know, the guy, you know, he says, I'm the bad guy and all that kind of stuff. But I think he, the real things, when the cop tells him what he was going to do, you know, he's like, you were going to kill your wife, you were going to kill your daughter, and then you were going to be like, oh, now I don't have any way out. You were going to kill yourself. And Michael Douglas, I think, realizes that he's not a special little fucking flower and that maybe maybe this cop knows exactly who the fuck he is. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, 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 like I agree that, that that's a good scene. And I also think it's a lot of credit has to go to both those actors for playing that out. Um, it's, I think, lesser actors that would have come across as maybe cheesy. But it really works in the movie because the performances are so good. Actually, both performances are good throughout the movie, even if I don't like necessarily everything they're doing. I definitely, I definitely respect the performances. Yeah, it's hard to argue that uh, the cast in this is not is, is not stellar. Meaning, yeah, the cast is pretty damn stellar. They all do a great job. The only guy I didn't like was the the new partner of the cop's old partner. I don't remember any of the names. I yeah. probably should have had the cast list in front of me or something. But yeah. that, like... Dude, you should and, guy, yeah. Yeah, but he also felt like, to me, it was like, again, by this time I'm thinking, this is baby boomers screaming at society <laughs> to get off their lawn. And I'm thinking that's just what a, a 50-year-old thinks a 35-year-old acts like in 1993 and I don't think there's very many human beings who act that way I do I do find it weird where uh, in a movie where ostensibly a cop is the good guy that they go out of their way to be like every other cop is a bad guy yeah him and him and his former Except partner for the are the Hispanic only two good lady. cops yeah, yeah. It, it is weird how bad all the other cops are, and I don't know what the purpose of that is, other than just everyone hated the LAPD in 1993, so maybe they just <laughs> wanted to make sure that they're like yeah, on board. It's just a marketing decision. Because that captain is a real piece of garbage. 
the guy who gives him like he gives him the, the speech about would you stay and he tells and then later he says yeah I only did that because it's policy what I actually want to say is get the fuck out of here I'm like yeah. god damn it you're a terrible human being <laughs> so anyways I don't know where that leaves us on the film like personally I still think it's a, a fun movie to watch I just tend to overanalyze things and I I found, found myself really not liking the main character and feeling like the movie wanted me to like him. It is, it is in general a well-crafted movie that if you're in the mood for a movie that's a little crazy but kind of a downer, it's kind of like that. On the other hand, I think if you watch this movie and you find yourself at the end going, yeah, fuck yeah, maybe this isn't the movie for you because... <laughs> You took the wrong message away from the movie. Yeah. Well, because the guy even goes like full conspiracy theorist at one point where he's like at the at the scene where he uses the rocket launcher. He's accusing them of tearing up the road just to inconvenience him. And I'm like, what the fuck, you self-centered prick? They're not tearing up a road to inconvenience you. Like, there's obviously something that they're fixing. It's not up to you to decide where construction goes. <laughs> Yeah, I, I didn't like that guy. <laughs> well, and the fu the funny thing is that's one of those nuanced things where so that is a real the thing he's complaining about is a real thing where uh, a lot of the times the city has a very specific uh, public works budget. And, yeah. and because it's America and we do everything fucking stupid Instead of uh, if you don't spend your whole budget, you have a surplus of the next year. If something expensive happens, you can do that. Instead, they'll cut your budget if you don't use it all. So you have to always use it all. And I agree with that point, but I don't think there's any indication that they are just tearing up streets for the sake of it. No, no, but they do. What they do end up doing is sometimes they end up repairing things that don't necessarily need repaired now to, yeah. to burn up that budget. But but what, yeah, it's he's like Noah wrong. getting his hernia, hernia fixed now rather than waiting till right. later when he really needs it. Right. It, yeah, let's not talk about hernias anymore. But again, though, I think it is like this weird, like, like how do I put it? Like, like I think people, especially older people, like to complain about, oh, the city's wasting money fixing that street. And it's like, well, it clearly somebody who knows more about streets than you decided that needs to be fixed so just shut up like right you know what i mean and it's like like yeah. they they jump to that like what you're saying is true about budgets I, I think everybody knows that to be true but they're not just gonna do a whole project that for no reason because they need to use up the budget there's lots and lots of things that need to be done or are going to need to be done and yes maybe they do them a couple of months earlier or something right but the it, it, it is it again it's it's that attitude i hear like when i hear older people sitting in coffee shops complaining about it like they all think oh the you know every dollar that's spent to make my life better is great but if it's mildly inconvenient to me then it's the government wasting all their money and just blowing through budgets for the sake of it and i just get so frustrated by that and i feel like he's just again he's just another one of these entitled boomers who thinks that because their parents generation built a good world for them that they're entitled to it but that they don't have the obligation to build that world for the next generation right right you see a lot of coffee shops do i do you yeah. sit in a lot of coffee shops? 
I've spent a lot of time in coffee shops over my life, yes. And I used to. I miss Denny's. I used to love sitting in Denny's. <laughs> but uh, I, I was going to say, part of the whole thing in that, though, is, like I said, once again, even though maybe he has some legitimate grievance against society in in that particular instance, but his anger is completely misdirected because he's taking it off out on the random fucking dude who's on the work crew fixing the road. That dude, he's just doing his fucking job. He didn't fucking yeah. call he, all that in. You know what I he, mean? He, he literally says, my job is to sit in front of this hole so people don't fall in it. Like, that's his job that day. And you're going to take it out on that guy? Right, right. And I, I feel like, I don't know. Like, maybe the movie is trying to force us to think about this and think about how, like, well, you know, like, by by him going so over the top, they are thinking, well, maybe you'll realize because you'll you'll be sympathetic to him. And then you should realize that you're wrong when you get mad at that guy who's just standing there holding this the stop and slow sign back and forth, you know, but I don't feel like it, that comes across. Yeah, yeah. Instead, it comes out as uh, playing out the fantasy of being able to tell one of those guys off. Exactly. And that's and that's the issue I have with it, where it's like I'm like, again, maybe a a different director would have done things a little differently. And you would get that where you'd be like, okay, I'm sympathetic with him to a point. Like, I understand why he's frustrated, why he can't get changed for the phone. Now he's breaking stuff with a baseball bat over the price of Coke's. Okay, I shouldn't get upset the next time somebody tells me I can't have change for the phone. I should just buy something that costs fifty cents, so that I can have change. You know what I mean? Like, and it, if they were doing that at every level, okay, he's losing it on this guy for over the construction. Well, now that I see him pulling out this rocket launcher, I should be learning the lesson that next time I should sit calmly and wait for the construction to go, because there's not a really good reason to be upset here. But I, I, I don't feel like the film is doing that. I wish it was. Yeah, I wouldn't respond to me either, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I was just giving Brian a chance. Well, I've been I, mean, too much. I don't know. Like I said, I, I wasn't wasn't totally sold on this movie. So, uh. I like. I, I think the performances are great. I think if you just again, like that's this isn't what we do as people who are wasting our time having these kind of types of conversations we're not going to just sit and kind of turn our brains off and stare at the screen but if you do do that i think it it can just be a fun movie about a guy that snaps and blows up a bunch of shit over minor grievances but you know then he does shit like walk across a golf course and lose it on people for having the nerve to play golf on the golf course and it's like yeah, don't walk in the middle of somebody else's game, asshole. Just, just don't do that. I, I, I totally forgot we didn't talk about that. The part where he goes to blow up on the guy for having barbed wire on top of his fence. And then he cut his hand off and he's and he's getting ready to, you know, the, you know, blow the shit out of this homeowner. And, of course, it just turns out to be like the guy's gardener who the doctor lets use his pool every once in a yeah. while. <laughs> but it's it's that part where you're like well yeah that anger is not justified do you know why he has barbed wire on his fence because maybe some fucking asshole in military fatigues with a bag of guns is gonna climb over his fence yeah exactly the whole the whole thing with like the golf course and then it leads right into the scene you just talked about and it's like you're 
dead wrong on both these issues. Sorry, but you don't walk across somebody else in the middle of a game and expect them to all stop and let you pass through. It doesn't matter what that game is they're playing. It doesn't matter if it's a club that's only for rich people. It, none of that matters. You wandered into their field of play. You know, you don't like if, if you're walking and there's a high school football game going on, you don't just wander through the field and expect them to halt it and wait for you to get across. Why would why would anybody else want to do that? I would get annoyed if somebody wandered like when me and my kid are kicking the ball back and forth at the park. If somebody wandered in between us, I'd be like, what the fuck? Go around. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I did not like Michael Douglas's character. <laughs> Apparently. Yeah, great, great performances. Good movie, muddled message. Yeah, I feel I feel like failed at the messaging. I feel like I know what they were trying to do, and they didn't do it. Again, so then, go go ahead. you go ahead. Oh, I was I was going to say the best thing is, though, we can just talk about next, like uh, what happens if you try to make this movie again, only worse. Ouch. See, now we're now we're going to get into points where we disagree, even though we've already gotten to many, many of those <laughs> points. Well, no, why don't you tell us about Edmund? Uh, so Edmund is kind of the same thing. A guy. A guy who works at some kind of an office, maybe he's a lawyer or an accountant, something, he wears a fucking suit, who gives a shit, uh, stops at a fortune teller, she tells him he's not leading the right life, he goes home, he leaves his wife, and he goes out on a night of the town filled with racist monologuing and uh, and assault of various kinds. (laughs) Basically, a douchebag being a douchebag and just getting douchier as the nice night progresses, and eventually he goes to prison, uh, gets raped, and then becomes a sweet, tender lover to his rapist. End of movie. Yep. So this is the one directed by Stuart Gordon. Yeah, I love Stuart Gordon. This, this is not this is not a good movie. This is a bad movie. It makes me sad. Because I really like Stuart Gordon. I don't know if I would say it was bad. I kind of understood some points of it. It did lose me at certain points. Um, should mention it's based on a David Mamet play, which he adapted for the movie. That's apparently it's an exact replica, almost of the okay. play. That's See that what I've read. That might explain some of what I hate about this movie, because the fucking dialogue in this movie is fucking trash for for a film. I, I suppose it would make more sense if this was a stage play for for the delivery and stuff, because I, I don't know. But as as a film, you're like, nobody fucking talks like that. Why are they all? Why is everyone talking like that? I didn't notice that. Really? I can't believe that. Give me an give me an example. I, the entire movie, there is not a single line in this movie that is a, a thing that normal people say in the way they normal people say it. Is it the inflection? You feel like maybe it's too much of a staged, theatrical sort of performance. Something, and it's just like the verbiage and stuff, and the way it's delivered, like. Uh, fuck, I can't remember the actor's name. Who's the Who's the guy who he meets at the bar that basically says the N word for six minutes? Joe Montana. <laughs> yeah, yeah Joe, Joe Montana. Uh, like that monologue in in a play, I kind of like I get 
how over the top and staccato it is, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. But in a movie, it's just weird. At first, I was thinking, okay, maybe he's the devil, or you know what I mean, or something. That's going to be the weird twist in this movie. That guy was the devil and set him on the wrong path. But it, instead, now it's just some weird dude in a bar. But I do. I definitely think the movie is meant to be a little kind of surrealistic, um, and everything is kind of a little over the top. And so, like, whether you consider that guy the devil or the whatever, it's just the weird kind of fairy tale character that you meet, and he gives you your mission, and then you go on the mission for the rest of the movie, right? His particular mission is to, quote-unquote, get some pussy, um, which is not <laughs> not traditionally a fairy tale goal, <laughs> but, well, actually, it kind of is traditionally a fairy tale goal, but, you know, his methodologies are a little different than what we normally see in Slay a Dragon or anything. Well, it's just, it's just interesting that, so like I said, this is basically... In, in a lot of ways, the same movie. This is the same movie as Falling Down. It's just a guy unraveling. Like, that's what you're watching. But in in this particular case, while uh, Defense and Falling Down has, has those few qualities in him that you're kind of like, no, okay, I, I kind of get where he's coming from and all this kind of stuff. Instead, this one, you're just like, William H. Macy's character is just a fucking piece of shit. He is just a privileged, uptight, like, white-ass fucking dude who just doesn't get that, that that the world isn't just supposed to, like, be the way he fucking wants it to be, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like, his his never-ending, in all the, the his attempts to pay for sex, the fact that he has this begrudging contempt of the price of these women selling their bodies— that and it's not just like he's like oh fuck that's too much i guess i'll have to go somewhere it's it's his whining sniffling no you should have sex with me for less money you know what i mean Mm -hmm. yeah yeah and that's kind of that's kind of one of the things i liked about it was that we're seeing this sort of uh yeah white privileged male like like just attitude of Eh, fuck it. I just told my wife I don't love her anymore. I'm leaving. And then the first thing he wants to do is go get some pussy and spends, you know, the entire night trying to make that happen and running into just other weird obstacles and situations and whatever else. And then he always seems to get defeated in his pursuit of getting his dick wet and then complains about it, whines, and then goes off on another situation thing. Yeah, but the weird thing is... I thought that was kind of interesting to watch, and I'm like, all right, this is kind of a thing, but then, like, uh, after after he meets uh, Julia Stiles and that whole situation goes down, like, the movie just completely lost me after that. Yeah, I was going to say, but does does he keep getting defeated? Is that the right way to look at it? Because as far as I could tell, the only thing that stops him from doing anything in this film is him being an insistent asshole. Right. Well, yeah, that's, I think and, that's sort of the point, right? But like he, he's, he feels defeated because he's not getting what he wants. Right. He, thinks he thinks he's going to go fix it. And then, you know, ends up getting pulled into a different scenario. Yeah. I was going to say half is half is fucking half the things that happens to him in this movie. You almost don't even feel like any 
pity or or sympathy or anything for him because you're just like, no, fuck you. He whenever he picks a fight with the dudes doing three card money, is the most ridiculous thing on earth. He had a conversation earlier where a dude explained to him that it's a con and that you can't win, and then he went and played it and lost because it's a con and you can't win. <laughs> And then demanded them reveal the con to him. You know what I mean? It's, a, it's the most insane. It's like, no, fuck you. You deserve to get robbed by those dudes, you fucking idiot. But I, like, again, I think that's the point of the movie, right? He is a terrible human being start to finish. And I think that's like, that's what they're doing here, right? That's what they're yeah. That's So, like, I understand your contempt for the character, but I don't think it's accidental. I think it's an accomplishment to the filmmaker that you hate him this much because a lot of what you're saying is correct. And I think, I think to some extent this movie is like, or this, the script, which was like, this was written back in like the eighties. I think it's like ahead of its time on the concept of sort of this, uh, what's the word that people use? Like, what do they say? Masculinity is like uh, toxic, toxic, I guess. Toxic masculinity. Yeah. And, and I think to a certain extent, like that's what we're seeing here. Like, he is this guy and he thinks he can go and push other people around and he thinks that's how you prove how tough you are and stuff. And even when he finally gets to that point where he's beating down that pimp guy who like, you're like, okay, that guy's not a particularly sympathetic character. I don't really have a problem with him taking a beating for trying to rob a guy. But William H. Macy's character, just all he can think to do is yell these horrible racist things at him. And it's like, because that's what he thinks being a tough guy is, right? Like that's in, in his own fucking sick world. His idea of a tough guy is this like, I don't know, some action hero that he's seen in 70s movies. And he thinks that you have to you have to insult that guy racially in order to prove your point. And it is just kind of. I think that's what they're getting at here. They're saying, like, look at this fucking guy. Thinks he's entitled to the world. Thinks he's special. And he ends up learning the lesson that he's fucking not, to a certain extent. Because yeah. even the, like, but does he? <laughs> like, because even the even the opening moments when he's like telling his wife, like, I'm not attracted to you. You don't interest me, and you don't like. He makes it a point to say, I'm not sexually attracted to you. They've also got made it a point to have her be in like a very revealing outfit and she looks pretty good, you know, for a woman in her forties. I'm like, that's, I, I think they're on purpose having him be a dick at that moment. Like they're saying like, look, it, if you think a guy that looks like William H. Macy is somehow just automatically entitled to a woman who looks better than this, that's ridiculous. You know what I mean? I think they're doing that. I think every step of the way they're saying that they're like, you're a piece of garbage. You're a piece of garbage. You're a piece of garbage. And he eventually like, like when he's in jail at the end and she comes to see him, he's like wanting her back. And she's going, no, fuck you. You're a psychopath. You've revealed everything that's wrong with you. And I'm not going to take you back. And that's his sort of the first stage of his sort of punishment. Did you guys think that maybe, Maybe the the arc of this character is that it was all just closeted gay rage. I, I see again. I took it more as he, again, keeping in mind this is a script from the eighties when people were maybe not as sensitive to gays, but mm-hmm. he was trying to prove himself how tough and how masculine he was, and he goes the exact opposite way, and that's where he finally finds his peace. Maybe that's uh, how I took it. Yeah, and I, was, I like, and I, I think that 
at first I found that a little, a little offensive, the idea that if you're like being gay is the opposite of being masculine. And then when I realized the script, the play was written in like, I, I forget when 80 or 81, something like that. I'm like, okay, that would have been a prevailing attitude back then. That would not have been an offensive thing to say. Yeah. See, I, I kind of, I don't know. I've gone back and forth on it. I thought maybe the end where, you know, he's so peaceful with the guy who, who just raped him five minutes earlier in the movie. Uh, that maybe it was just the closeted thing that maybe from the beginning of the movie, that was, that's the reason why he's not attracted to his wife. That's the reason why every time he goes to sleep with these women, like the second they say the price, it's always too much. You know what I mean? There's always something. Yeah. I guess that that's a reasonable interpretation. It's not, it's not where I went with it, but I can totally see that now that you're saying it. Yeah. My hope for the movie, like I said, it kind of fell apart for me. For a certain point, I had hoped that this movie was just going to be him searching like the entire night of trying to get laid and then it not working. And then at the end of the movie, him just going back home to his wife. And I don't, I don't know. I just thought that would have been a more interesting like journey, I guess, to watch this guy think he's like, you know, I'm in charge of anything. I can have anything I want. Go out. Turns out he can't have anything he wants. And then just has to like slink home with his tail between his legs. But then it gets into this weird like pseudo murder going to prison stuff. And I'm like, all right. I don't know if you consider that a pseudo murder. That was definitely murder, murder. Okay, just, yeah, (laughs) straight up murder. murder. (laughs) She tries to take her anxiety pill, so he hacks her up with a knife until he's drenched in her blood. I think that just qualifies as murder. (laughs) Straight up murder, then. Yeah, I was going to say, I think my my biggest problem with the movie is, so I can deal with a movie that has a character I don't like in it. I don't think I can deal with a two hours of basically only dealing with one character who I fucking hate. Well, the good, like, good thing is you didn't because the movie is only an hour and 20 minutes. Oh, my God. It felt three days long. See, I think I think it's good that the movie is an hour 20 because I think if we had to deal with this character longer, I might start to sway your way. But I think we get just enough of him where I'm like, I've seen him be terrible for long enough without it pushing me overboard. Yeah. And I really kept thinking that maybe the payoff was going to be the improvement of this character in some way. And I, and I just I honestly can't say I feel that. Because especially at the end. So once once we do the weird jump in time where all of a sudden it's uh, bald cap. Very bad bald cap, by the way. It, it is a bad bald He cap. looks like a fucking alien with a giant head. It's real weird. But when he's writing that letter, and at first you think, oh, okay, he's trying to, like, make amends for things he did in the past. But I don't – once once the, he by the time he's finished with the letter, you're like, well, no, no, he's not. He's not making amends. Once again, he's he's doing an apology that just makes himself out to be a good guy for apologizing. Rather than actually performing any type of real attrition, if that makes sense. Oh yeah, no, I would I would not say he learns anything over the course of the movie. Right, right, and then the movie ends with him and his uh, prison wife, uh, or I guess prison husband from his perspective, <laughs> having another long, rambling, pointless, esoteric conversation, like. Where, where once again he's trying to espouse these brilliant ideas of the world that are all horseshit. 
But but maybe they're not horseshit because in your interpretation of the film, you're thinking the reason for a lot of this was that he was always a closeted gay individual and that basically this was him snapping after having held that in for too long. At the end, he finally says, like in that conversation that you hated so much, the, the, the message of it is everything you say you hate is really something that you or you fear is something that you want and at the end of the day yeah he was making all these horrible racist statements the whole time he was saying all these terrible things about gay people throughout the movie and he ends up in a gay relationship with a black man so everything that he feared and hated is what he actually wanted in order to make himself happy so that might actually the, the conversation you're complaining about might actually make you correct about the movie and you know, you know, just, you know what? I don't. I don't think I thought of it that way. And maybe you're right on that one. Yeah, I didn't even think about that whole situation. Can we? Can, can we all agree about what the best part of the entire movie was? Yeah. Jeff, Jeffrey, Jeffrey Combs is the assholey oh, yeah. gay night manager of the hotel. <laughs> it's literally two minutes. I was like, "Yay, Jeffrey Combs! I hope he's in the rest of the movie." And he wasn't. Oh. No. That was the one point where I did feel bad for William H. Macy's character when he's like, he just, he's like, can I, can I use a phone? He's like, there's a pay phone. He's like, well, do I need a, a coin to make a phone call? And, and he just won't answer him. And I'm like, this is a moment where I'm like, you finally get this two seconds of sympathy. I'm like, I would fucking lose it on that guy for refusing to answer that question. I do love, I do love he gets in the whole screaming thing and he's like, does it need a coin for a fucking dial tone? And finally, Je- Jeffrey Combs is like, no, it doesn't. Make your call and get out. And he walks over and picks up the phone, and it needs a coin for a dial. <laughs> it is a weird moment, too, though, where I'm like, how many – maybe you guys know more than I do about this. How many versions of payphones are there? Don't they all require – either require a coin or not require a coin? It's been so long since I used one no. that I don't know. No, there were certain ones. If you picked it up, there was a dial tone, and you could dial certain specific things off of it. Like you could dial uh, collect calls and shit. You know what I mean? Okay. But but other other phones, if they didn't have a dial tone, you can't dial at all. So you couldn't even yeah. make collects and shit off of them. Oh, all right. Yeah, we had I, one. I, in, we had one in high school at, at the uh, outside the gym doors that uh, you could make 1-800 number calls on. So people would randomly just dial up random shit. Like, look, if you dial 1-800, eat shit. This is what you get. (laughs) We did. We did while we were in high school when we were bored one night. We just dialed the phone number, fuck you. And it rang up and it was some lady. And, and it was we didn't prank call her or anything. We just very politely told her we were like, "Did you know that that your phone number are, is a swear word?" And she and she was like, "What it is?" And we were like, "Yeah, it's it's f u." And she goes, "Oh my god, I didn't know that." <laughs> it was delightful. We were like, "Well, I'm so sorry, we didn't mean to like actually call anybody. We were just." We just punched it into the phone to see what would happen. <laughs> All right, anything else about Edmund? White male rage. Yeah, I like. I I actually think this is a good movie. I like it quite a bit. I think yes, the lead character is despicable, but I think that's again on purpose. 
I'm, I almost want to rewatch it now, though, with your new perspective that you've provided. And, uh, and I kind of see if there's any other hints towards his homosexuality earlier on that I didn't pick up on. Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at MNDriveInPod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to TheMidnightDriveIn at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food and drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. What is this? Is there feedback? Uh, we have two pieces of feedback. What? Uh, Doug, do you want to read the one I just posted in the chat window? It's pretty long. The other one's even longer, so. Oh, all right. Then I guess I will read the one because <laughs> I don't want to read the longer one. That's for sure. Do I do it now? Or are we recording now? What's going yeah. on? Yeah, go for it. All right. Uh, hi, Brian, Doug, and Noah. Since I'm driving less these past few weeks, I'm somewhat behind on my podcasts, but still listening. I haven't written since last horrorcast days, but still enjoy the banter. I'm a bit surprised that you have not yet done a double feature of Contagion and Outbreak. I'm going to discuss Contagion later on, but perhaps too obvious in the midst of COVID-19. Maybe other eco-disasters like the Bay could work, or you can stick with the less-than-stellar works such as Virus starring Jamie Lee in one of her weaker roles? Question mark. Mainly, I just wanted to thank you for continuing to entertain and let you know that you do still have a few long-time listeners. Stay safe, Andy. Thanks, Andy. Yeah. Yeah, and it, like, we'll, we'll discuss Contagion because I did watch it this week and it's a really fucking interesting watch in today's day and time. And if you want a discussion of Contagion and Outbreak, I think our friends over at Tales from the Video Store just did that team up. So everybody go listen to them. Go listen to them talk I tried, about it. I tried to watch Outbreak this week as well, but it was uh, not streaming free anywhere. And I'm like, that's bullshit. I'm not paying to see that movie. So, I'm not paying to make myself feel nervous about the current pandemic we're in. Well, yeah, it's, it's, it's a it's a strange thing when you watch those movies because, like, I, I don't think Outbreak would necessarily make me nervous, but mm. I'll just say it right now: Contagion, way too fucking accurate. <laughs> like, <laughs> I remember thinking that when I saw it in the theater. Well, see, like, I, this I, seems too I, realistic. I, I had seen it a while ago. And I, I just really didn't remember it, right? Because it's, it's not a great movie. It's a good movie. There's a lot of good performances in it. But watching it now and just being like, like holy shit. Like, all this stuff that's going on right now, it, like, it's literally the exact, almost the exact same scenario of this disease coming out of China and spreading around the world. And then it's the CDC up there telling people to use social distancing and wash their hands repeatedly. And I'm like... Fucking! You mean they knew about this? Like, <laughs> enough people knew about the concept of social distancing that it got made into this movie in whatever 2011, I think. Like, I'd never heard the term social distancing until 2020. Oh. And and I guess the last time I saw this movie that I didn't remember. Yeah, I don't remember that being in there. So, it's it's super weird that like you've got Lawrence Fishburne constantly telling people to use social distancing and to wash their hands, and I'm like. Why isn't like if they knew that? Why isn't that something we're all taught when there's a pandemic? 
you might have to social distance because maybe people would be obeying the fucking rules more if we knew in advance that those were going to be the rules. Fucking but, assholes. You know, yeah. Anyways, that's, that's my weird little rant about Contagion. So when you ask me what I've watched, I won't have to talk about that one. <laughs> <laughs> I already dragged us into a conversation about fucking Joe Exotic and now this all this one episode. But can't you guys figure out how to keep me on track? What's the fun in that? Fair enough. Uh, then we also got an email from our buddy Terry Hope Kent. Subject line, not all libertarians like Ayn Rand. Those, those... Okay. <laughs> so, is, he, is this intended for our podcast or another one? Yeah, because we were railing on libertarians uh, when we discovered Kennedy from MTV was one. Oh, okay. I I kind of blacked you guys out during the whole MTV <laughs> conversations because that didn't apply to <laughs> Uh, he said, hey, guys, we libertarians get a bad rap, but we aren't uncaring or think we should be able to do absolutely anything. At our core is the concept that you don't hurt others or take their things. Beyond that, we think people should be able to give to the needy without the government getting in the way. If you get bored and want to know more about us, check out the podcast. We are libertarians. Even if you hate libertarians, I still love you guys and the show. Thanks, Kent. I don't. I don't hate libertarians. I hate libertarianism. <laughs> I hate I hate the theology, the the idea of it. It's it's silly and backwards and it has one or two good rules, but those one or two good rules literally exist in every other system. So they don't it provides no value. The idea of don't don't hurt other people is Hammurabic code shit, which is older than pretty much every philosophy on the planet. Uh, I was probably making a blanket statement about how much I hate libertarians. Um, basically, I just hate uh, the people. Taxes are theft. No, the people uh, of any political uh, group who are the super crazy, like outspoken ones. I hate those people. I guess I don't hate libertarians in general. Maybe I don't. Yeah, know. I don't... I don't remember what I said last time, but my take on libertarianism is it always starts out with good ideas, and every time I've like tried to read something about it or listen to a podcast about it, I always end up at something crazy where I'm just like, I, I can't get behind this anymore. Right. The, the example I always point to is one conversation I started that I listened to. It was a podcast, and it, it, I can't remember the name of it. It started with literally like, don't you think that people should be allowed – to buy stuff if they want it and sell stuff if they want to sell it and you're like yeah and then it ended on and that's why there should just be no regulations on electricity and if some people want to just choose to have rolling brownouts so that they can pay less that's just how the system would work and i'm like no no yeah. because yeah. again yeah, that's dumb you get into that weird thing where it's like nobody's choosing to not have electricity from 7 to 9 p.m. It's just that you have a bunch of people who can't afford a basic thing and you got to find a way to give it to them. Anyways, that's not really what we're supposed to be discussing here. So Yeah. Yeah. But at the end, uh, I do love Kent because he's pretty fantastic. So no worries. Now. Yeah. You're fine. Up? Like I said, like I said, don't hate libertarians. Hate libertarianism. <laughs> I hate your ism, not you. Jesus. <laughs> I don't think that's going to make him feel better, just so we're clear. Has <laughs> uh, anybody watched anything since last week? I watched a couple things. Ooh, more than one. <laughs> more than one. Uh, both of them, well, one of them not my choice, one of them an uh, odd choice for me, but 
Uh, so we watched uh, Troop Zero, <laughs> oh, yeah. which is on, on Netflix. It's a movie about a weird little girl who basically forms a quote, quote, fingers Girl Scout group because obviously they use a different name to not get sued uh, in order to enter a competition to try to get um, their voices on the Voyager uh, golden record. And it's, I don't know, it's all right. It's it's like a quaint little movie. Like, it's not exactly a family movie, but I mean, it's about a bunch of weird little kids getting together and forming friendships, which I'm always, I'm always behind that because I was a weird little kid. I get that. It's on Netflix uh, or Amazon Prime? Yeah, uh, I think it's on Netflix. I could be wrong. Then yeah, continue on. I have too many. I have too many streaming services now. <laughs> but but like I said, it, it's it's good. I mean, it's it's one of those. It's a movie about you know the little girl. There's a little girl. Her mom died whenever she was very young, and now she's got a lot of issues she's dealing with. Like she uh, she pisses herself every once in a while if she gets nervous. You know that that kind of stuff. You know, and her best friend is a little boy who is just as gay as gay could be, and his dad's trying to <laughs> raise him raise him like a macho straight kid, and it's not working out too well. <laughs> I Amazon, don't think Amazon Prime, by the way. Okay, Amazon Prime, and it never comes. So, and that never comes across as hostile. It's not that you know the dad thinks his son's gay and he needs to be straightened up. It's that he just you know he's trying to like get his son into sports and stuff because that's that's what he was into. Although it has one of the most fucked up lines I've ever heard in my entire life because the dad's trying to like teach him football and get him to run faster and stuff. And he's like, I don't think I'm ever going to need to run. And one of the other characters goes, listen, I've been watching you grow up and and you need to learn how to run really fast. (laughs) 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 And I was like, that's funny, but that's fucked up. That's, That's a fucked up message to give a kid. But like I said, it's pretty good. It's heartwarming. Yeah, I remember seeing the trailer thinking like eh, it's probably something i would randomly watch yeah it's got little like tear jerkery moments peppered throughout it i mean mostly it's just about a bunch of weird little kids doing weird kid shit so that's that's plenty fun uh jim gaffigan plays her her dad who apparently only refers to himself as boss man which is which is weird it's real weird <laughs> Uh, so it's a recommend if you're into that kind of stuff. It's not the typical. I don't. I don't know how many of our listeners would be like, "Oh, I'm gonna watch a movie about a weird little girl forming a Girl Scout troop and learning the magic of friendship." I may be uh, wrong, but for me, it felt like it might be sort of a nostalgic throwback to like '80s camp movies, not like the zany like sex comedy ones, but just you know, people making friends and doing shit at camp. Yeah. No, see, I, I can't. Yeah, that's not what it is. I don't. Yeah. To, to me, it's almost like uh, I don't. I don't know what you compare it to. Maybe like a weird female version of uh, a kids on bikes movie. Maybe. Okay. Like, because they're not exactly going on an adventure, but mm-hmm. I don't. I, it's it's real weird. Uh, the other movie but I trying watched to win was, a contest. Which is almost the yeah. same thing. So yeah, they're yeah they're trying to win a contest at the big jamboree at the end of the year, but they all have to earn a merit badge to get into the jamboree. Yeah. Uh, the other movie I watched was Mister Wright, 
with uh, Sam Rockwell and what's her fucking face? I can't. I love her. I love. Hold hold on. I'm gonna look it's, it up. It's your job to know who she is because you're the one telling us about the movie. Just so well. Clear. So so here's I have the no thing. idea what Mr. Wright is. This is a movie that I put off watching for a really long time because Anna Kendrick. That's her name. Okay. Yeah, because I I fucking I hate Anna Kendrick. I um, think that her quirky, obnoxious thing that people find so charming, I just find it obnoxious. Like it's it's fucking dumb. You're not special or cute. Stop doing it. Uh, I but I think she's special and cute. Yeah. That's, that's, see, so that's great. You guys keep feeding that monster, and she'll keep making <laughs> her weird things. Uh, I still don't watch most of her movies because I don't want to watch those kinds of movies. But <laughs> right. So this when one she is, finds her way into one I like, then I enjoy her. This this one I watched because it's got uh, Sam Rockwell and Tim Roth in it. <laughs> That'll do it. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I was I was like, you know what? I really like them, and it's a it it's kind of a it's supposed to be a romantic comedy esque movie where Sam Rockwell's character is a assassin who has uh, he's kind of trying to change his ways, and he just randomly bumps into Anna Kendrick, who's going through a bad breakup, and they fall in love. But, of course, you know, people are trying to kill Sam Rockwell, so it just spirals out of control. Uh, it's pretty cool. I mean, Sam Rockwell's character, like, they go through this whole thing. If he's basically a superhero, so he has, like, Spider-Man reflexes kind of thing where he can take on a whole room full of people if he needs to. And his whole character, you know, it's a little spoilery. They're, basically, his character is now uh, killing the people who are trying to hire him to kill people because he's decided that murdering people is wrong. <laughs> so, so he's taking out the people, hiring people to kill people. <laughs> and Tim Roth's character is trying to kill him. Essentially. It is. I'll tell you what, it was way more fucking fun than I thought it was going to be. I was, I was worried because it was an Anna Kendrick movie and I was like, this is going to be too fucking goofy and I'm going to hate it. And then it wasn't it wasn't all that goofy and some of the violence was really good. And a lot of the like jokes land of the idea like Sam Rockwell's character is just this super sweet, nice guy who just also happens to kill the ever living fuck out of people every once in a while. There's a scene where they're they're out at dinner and an assassin shows up and him and the assassin, he kind of excuses himself from the table and goes outside and has a knife fight with this guy. Then he comes back in and Andy Kendrick's character like has been waiting for a real long time. She's like, where were you? And he's like, oh, you know, I just had to kill somebody out in the parking lot. And she goes, oh, yeah, I bet you're real tired after killing that guy. And she's laughing because she keeps thinking he's joking about this stuff. I may have to end up checking it out at some point. Yeah, it's it really is worth a watch, and I expect and actually Andrew Kend Anna Kendrick, even though she's basically playing Anna Kendrick like she always does, uh, her kind of turn because you know obviously there's the turn at the end where you know she starts to learn some of his assassin skills, of course. Which that but that gets pretty entertaining. I, I really like. Uh, and I think that's it. Other than that, I just watched a few episodes of season four of uh, Kim's Convenience. Because season four is on Netflix now. And I love that show. What about you, Doug? Uh, I got a bunch of stuff. I already talked about a couple things. Mm -hmm. So I'll skip over those ones. But uh, I watched the 1990 movie King of New York. Oh, just yeah. because I think... For Walken? 
Yeah, and I, I just think Christopher Walken should be the leading man in more movies, so I decided to watch one where he is. Um, and he's really good in it. Uh, basically, he's a drug dealer who gets out of jail and is trying to rebuild his empire. Um, he ends up doing a lot of charitable work for his uh, his neighborhood as well, so he sort of ends up becoming kind of like a bit of a folk hero type character, which causes a bunch of cops to turn against him, yada, yada, yada. Um, re- really good performances throughout, um, you know, Larry Fishburne's in it back when his name was Larry and uh, it's really weird though because he plays like a gangster character and he's like and then they've got Wesley Snipes there but Wesley Snipes plays a cop and I'm like well you you probably just should have switched those two guys but you know and then you've got like David Caruso playing one of the other cops and you're like yeah that no that one makes sense I see where you went there (laughs) so it is it's like an Abel Ferreira movie and he made like he's best known for um bad lieutenant yeah. so it's got that same sort of kind of meandering feel to it um where a lot of the movie you're not really sure what the main plot of the movie is it's just guys doing stuff but uh it's interesting like i say great performances uh, probably recommend if you're into that kind of a movie but it's a really sort of specific kind of movie yeah been on my uh sort of radar for a while i just haven't pulled the trigger and watched it yet yeah, yeah. I, I kind of go back and forth on whether I like crime dramas because sometimes I do and sometimes I don't. So that particular day, I'm like, I think I do today. So, hey, uh, Noah, hmm. before before Doug starts on his next movie, uh, I forgot to tell you it's your week to pick. So we want to pick some movies for next week. <laughs> Did you go? I got a few more things to get through, so it'll be fine. You have time. So much pressure. Uh, well, the next thing I watched was actually a short film, which I very strongly recommend to people who would listen to this podcast. Uh, it's called What Did Jack Do? And it's about a monkey being interrogated for a murder. And it's this cute little tiny monkey being interrogated by David Lynch in the most nonsensical way possible it's shot in black and white for artistic reasons for some reason it's only 17 minutes long and it's just as crazy as it sounds so it's on netflix i think people should watch it because it's just david lynch talking to a monkey for 17 minutes (laughs) fucking weird it's things if it was anybody else i'd be like what the fuck are they doing but with david lynch i'm like i bet you in his fucking acid riddled mind he's probably was high and he thinks he's sending a message out to us all about doing this but in reality it's just a guy talking to a monkey with poorly animated lips I don't alright so huge recommend probably the biggest recommend of anything I'm going to talk about this week but completely stupid in every imaginable way uh, and then on to a real movie I rewatched or watched for the first time. I don't remember the 1989 version of Phantom of the Opera. Okay. Which is most famous for having Robert England as the Phantom. Mm-hmm. I don't know why I suddenly felt the need to watch that, but I literally was like <laughs> sitting in my basement and went, I should watch the Phantom of the Opera with Robert England in it. <laughs> um, it's 
I mean, I don't know if we need to go over the storyline of Phantom of the Opera. It's a pretty faithful retelling of the original story. Um, except it's more fun because Robert England is the Phantom. And it's got some fantastic gore in it because the one little twist they do is that instead of wearing a mask, he skins his victims and uses the skin to sew over top of his uh, scars. That way he yeah. won't... Uh, that way he it, and it it looks great. Um, it just it looks fantastic, and you get to see scenes where he's like removing the skin and he's cutting away at the little fucking uh, the stitching and all that, and they do it up close. And I don't know how they do the the, the effects exactly, but it looks fantastic. And then the, of course the other thing is it's 1989, so that means a they have random scenes for the Phantom like goes out and almost gets mugged that way he can kill a few more people for no reason and those scenes are fun as hell and then for some reason they have to tag on like a weird time travel-y type element to it where the girl from the the girl the girl that plays Christine plays her in modern times as well as in ancient times and the phantom somehow shows up in both time frames but you can almost ignore that because it's more of like a it's like a, it's like a B story that they have just at the beginning of the movie and then at the end of the movie and the whole like hour and a half middle part of the movie is just the original story um, but yeah I, I, it delivers exactly what it promises it's Robert England as Phantom of the Opera so if that's something that interests you I would recommend checking it out but it doesn't really bring a lot new to the story in my opinion yeah, I watched it for the first time a couple of years ago. I remember enjoying yeah. it, but I don't really remember a whole lot about it. Yeah, I don't know. I, in my head, I was going to then watch like other versions of Phantom of the Opera so I could compare them, but I didn't. So <laughs> <laughs> I can't really, you know, it's been a while since I've rewatched any of the other versions, but and I, I don't really like ones that have a lot of singing in them. So that's one thing this did have was a little too much singing, in my opinion. It's like you don't need to show the whole songs. But I guess you got to get that up to that hour and a half time frame in order for them to <laughs> call it a movie and put it in theaters. Does, does it have Robert England singing uh, Angel of Music? Because that would be delightful. He does not do the singing, no. He simply trains the singer. He's mostly Dis- like a coach. Disappointing. Like, he's mostly a coach in it. Like, he's got her in a room and she's singing. And he's like, no, do it from your heart. And she's like, I'm like, that's not teaching her anything. I mean, but it's fine. It's like a football coach just telling you to give 110% instead of 100% because then you'll do better. It's like, well, that doesn't mean anything. Uh, so let's see. I followed that up with another movie that had Robert England in it, but I didn't know it had Robert England in it until I started watching it. Um, movie Dead and Buried from 1980, 81, something like that. Yeah. Uh, that was a really good movie. Yeah, have you guys seen it? I watched it a couple of years ago, but again, it's been so long since I've seen it that I don't really yeah. remember. So it's it's basically this like small kind of idyllic town where all of the uh, anybody who's kind of a visitor seems to be getting killed off. But uh, so the, the first I, I want to say almost half of the movie, it's like a slasher movie, except the whole town is a slasher killer instead of just one person. 
Um, so you get some some really fun kills. One guy is like lit on fire, and other people are stabbed and stuff. I'm like, okay, this is this is pretty fun. And then there's this weird like turn moment. Like, I guess technically this is a spoiler for a 1981 movie, but uh, so one of the going to be victims is this family and they're driving away and they run over one of the attackers and you get this close-up of his arm which is stuck in the grill of their car and it's still alive and you're like oh neat now we're into like supernatural territory and it takes a really weird twist it becomes like a an old school zombie movie like a pre-1968 zombie movie where these town folks are killing these people and like resurrecting them and using them as like servants and shit. And there's all sorts of weird stuff going on. And we get twists of characters that we, you know, assumed were not zombies that we find out are throughout the movie. And it's, it was really fun to watch. I really enjoyed it. Maybe some of the twists are a bit predictable only because it's a 40 year old movie. But yeah, a lot, a lot of fun, and like I said, good gore, good kills, um, and in f- fun like '80s style performances from all the actors. If you know what I mean by that, like those sort of a little bit over the top, almost campy but not quite yeah. type performances. There's one guy; he's like the town mortician or whatever. He's like the mortician, but he also runs the funeral home, which I, in my mind, those are two different jobs. I don't know. <laughs> I don't think you do both, but he, uh, he does it for the purposes of this. And it's like, it's, uh, he's a, he's a great performance once he starts to get into it. I do think there are a couple of cheats with the twists. I think that there's, it was something that bugged me. There's like a, particularly that character, um, the mortician character does a couple of things where you're like, well, you, you wouldn't do that given what we know about him by the end of the movie but whatever i don't i don't feel the need to nitpick cheesy 80s movies it, it's <laughs> yeah. a big recommend it was it was super fun to watch i liked it a lot uh, yeah i seem to remember I, yeah that i enjoyed it and i thought i'm just sort of watched it I'm, i remember kind of being like why does more people not talk about this movie like yeah enjoyed it and stuff but yeah, I, I had oh, wow. literally heard nothing about it. It's I like I was like I was flipping through one of the streaming apps, and I saw the picture, and I remembered like the VHS box art of that same picture, and thinking like, man, I always wanted to watch that, so I'll watch it. And I had no idea what it was about at all, <laughs> and it was like, well, it worked out pretty good. Uh, so yeah, there's that one. It's it's a huge record. I had a really good week actually. Now that I'm thinking, sounds about like it. it. <laughs> it's because like, the next movie I watched was another huge recommend. I'll just say that right off the bat, which is the movie uh, Triangle from 20 like oh, 10 yeah. maybe, uh, which I had never seen somehow. Which is it's super weird because the director is Christopher Smith, and he made like three or four really good movies back in the early 2000s, and I liked all of them and made it a point to see all of them, but somehow missed this one. Um, yeah. yeah, I thought we should do it on the show sometime, but I don't know how you would coherently talk about this movie. It, it's tough because the movie, like, so for people who don't know what it's about, it's basically these people go, it's a group of not quite friends that are all out sailing, that they're all connected to the 
the guy whose boat it is, but they don't all know each other. And they get caught in a freak storm. It flips their boat. They jump onto a passing cruise ship, which turns out to be empty. And all of a sudden, they're being kind of stalked by some killer. Things start to get really weird. And the lead actor, the lead character, who's played by uh, Melissa George, who gives like a really, really outstanding performance in this movie, uh, she ends up finding herself in like a weird, like time loop situation. And so you realize that this is not the first time that all these events have happened. And she's trying to figure out how to break the time loop. But it's it's one of these things where like you're constantly being revealed new information about what's gone on and why it's gone on. And you just, you just you do sort of have to pay attention in order to follow the movie, mm-hmm. and then that keeps happening. I will not spoil the ending yeah. for people who haven't seen it, but that keeps happening right up to the ending. And I remember in my own head thinking like, "Oh, this is like I, I feel like you can predict the ending," but I could not. I was way off. <laughs> so I was super happy that I was way off, and it, it ends up being a, a really interesting ending. I don't know. I mean, it has some of the same kind of like. It, it, it's it, like I say, it just ends up being this weird time loop movie where you're just like, I, I don't understand what's going on, and you, you're constantly being revealed that okay, there's two of that character, and oh, okay, this character's clearly been in this situation before because we can see evidence of that, and you're like, you're kind of following one version of the Melissa George character throughout, but there's like literally times where she's fighting with another version of herself, and you're like, okay. This is weird. I'm pretty sure that's the one I was following coming into this scene. <laughs> yeah. They, they do, do things like have her take her sweater off, and you have to remember whether the version of her that you were following in the previous scene had a sweater on or not, because otherwise the movie's not going to make any fucking sense to you. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty crazy. Unless, like, if you watch it, it seems like, yeah, you could kind of follow what's going on up to the end, but trying to explain it to somebody, it's just like. Yeah, it's not going to make any sense from what I tell you about this movie. No. You, uh, like, the only way to, to properly explain it would be to go through every plot point, and that would kind of spoil the fun of watching the movie. I definitely... I, 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 like I said, just trust me, watch it. It's, it's excellently made. There are a couple of cheesy uh, special effects in it that didn't work as well as... And I think that's just probably more budget and fact that it's a 2010 movie and cgi just doesn't hold up from that era but yeah like i said the performance the plot the atmosphere are all outstanding so i hugely recommend that movie um so yeah that's pretty good and the only the other thing i did um i won't talk about it too much because i know it bores some people but uh i finally it's been long enough since Rise of Skywalker that I felt like I could watch some Star Wars. So I finished off the final season of Rebels that I had been... Remember a while ago, I kept telling you guys every time I watched a season. <laughs> um, really good. Really good. They do... Uh, like they, I don't know if you guys remember before, I said like they did a good job of keeping it like quite dark. Um, they actually end up killing off a main character in the final season, and you're like, oh shit I didn't see that happening in a cartoon like that's weird <laughs> um, and the other thing that's really good about it they do a really good job of tying it the, the kind of the wrap up storyline because they knew this was going to be their final season tying it back into stuff that's happened in previous seasons 
without it feeling like they're just kind of bogged down in it. So I thought that was really good. And they also start to kind of tie it into because it's approaching the era of the original trilogy. So they actually have characters from the original trilogy showing up with like, uh, I don't I forget their names, like Mom Mothra and people like that, that we see little bits of in the original trilogy are characters in some of the episodes here. Nice. So, yeah, I really dug it. Um, I hope they do. Like, the rumor is that they may do a sequel series, and it does kind of leave itself open to that, with the implication being that a sequel series would be set after the original trilogy, which would be kind of neat. So you'd see these, see what these characters were up to, you know, after Star Wars, and we saw what they were up to before Star Wars. Kind of yeah, I still need to watch those cartoon series. Yeah. I, I don't know what I'm going to do with uh, the Clone Wars yet, because it's seven fucking seasons that's a lot of commitment um but my understanding is that disney plus has put together like a collection of like the 20 episodes that you should watch before watching the final season so i may just do that as a starter and then just like watch those 20 episodes and then watch the final season that they're putting up yeah i was i was always told to skip the first three seasons okay and honestly like with Clone Wars, I tried a couple times to watch it, and I never, like, got right into it. But I know I have seen individual episodes from later seasons that I did really like. Yeah, the the first season comes off very much as, like, a shitty kids show version of Star Wars. And, and so I can't, I never could watch it. And everybody keeps telling me, yeah, but after season three, it gets dark and it really picks up. And I was like, yeah, but then I got to watch three fucking seasons to get to the good stuff. That sounds awful. Yeah. And I'm, I'm generally not one that would, uh, I don't usually like the idea that like, okay, I, I didn't like the first episode, but I'll give the second episode a shot. Like usually I watch something and then I'm like, nah, but I also didn't hate the first few episodes of Clone Wars when I watched them. I just didn't get into them enough to commit myself to seven seasons of it or six seasons of it at the time. So, I don't know. I'll just know if I get around to watching that. I could also just get distracted. So, it's, it's very likely. You'll recall there was a time not that long ago when I was going to rewatch the entire Marvel Cinematic Universe, and I made it to the first Avengers. And that was months ago. So, uh, but yeah. No, that's it. Just just those few things. What about well, you, Brian? You got some, uh... Speaking of Avengers... Okay. Uh, since I was wa- working from home the other day, I'm like, you know what I need? I need to see uh, Captain America pick up that hammer again. So, yeah. I just uh, I didn't even watch the whole movie. I just queued up the last 45 minutes. <laughs> sure, basically, why not? Basically, the point where Iron Man, Thor, and Captain America walk down to confront Thanos, I just watched it from there. Uh, still fantastic. Still goosebumps whenever that fucking hammer comes flying back into his hand. Uh of course, when uh, Steve Rogers straps that shield on, he's ready to go to battle. And luckily, like, the entire Marvel Cinematic Universe just shows up just in time. So, still great. Still love that whole final battle. It's fantastic. Sometimes I just like to just throw that on. 
Just enjoy that 45 minutes. Not if she sounds fun. I can do that. I still, I know, I know it would have been overkill. I still wish it would have been Steve Rogers holding the hammer, wearing an Iron Man suit. <laughs> it's got like the Iron Patriot suit on because that would be fitting. No, because they set it up at the beginning. Tony gives him the, uh, the nano suit. He gives it to him at the beginning of the movie and it's never addressed again. Oh, I remember that. So I thought it was going to be Steve's been secretly wearing it this whole time. Either way. Um, Let's see. Uh, I watched the entire first season of Titans. DC uh, show that's on their streaming service. Fuck Batman. Yeah. I I, I, I I almost watched the first episode once. You know, I was like, I don't know if I particularly 100% need a gritty Teen Titans show. But it's actually pretty good. Um, So I noticed on Amazon that they had the first season of Titans and the first season of Doom Patrol for 10 bucks each. Nice. And I'm like, you know what? That seems reasonable to me. So I just picked them both up without seeing the show. And then we watched the first season and, you know, I really enjoyed it. Um, I mean, it has its moments. I think the thing I could liken it to the most, like tone wise, would be the Marvel Netflix series, um, like Daredevil and stuff. So, I mean, it's a little darker tone. And I mean, somebody usually says the word fuck at least once every episode. But, you know, I don't know. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it for what it was. And there was some fun stuff and enough uh, DC stuff thrown in that I got to be excited and be like, oh, I know what that means. I don't know. Um, season two is, like, stupidly expensive. So I'm waiting for that one to go on sale. <laughs> but we'll have to That's watch Doom the, Patrol in the meantime. The genius marketing of the entertainment industry. We're going to get hooked on this show, and then we're going to charge you so much for the next season that you won't buy it. But right. I keep being tempted to get DC just for like two months just to watch uh, Young Justice in you know the couple of shows I want to and then canceling it. Yeah. It's tempting. I may end up doing that just so we can watch season two of Titans without having to spend a lot of money to get it. I think the big thing that stopped me is whenever Swamp Thing came out and people started saying Swamp Thing was good, I got stoked and I was like time for me to buy it and then they're like yeah we're canceling Swamp Thing and it's like hey Oh, <laughs> fuck, fuck you, DC. Well, someone fucked up in the production. So apparently somebody signed some weird tax form that made it so they didn't get as much of a tax break as they were supposed to. And so basically they ended up losing money on the first season. So they're like, yep, yeah, cancel it, which is dumb because I would totally be down for Swamp Thing series to continue. I really like, I think I could super get down with a TV show, if it was like a Swamp Thing and uh, uh, Animal Man crossover, like team up TV show, yeah, that'd be that'd be wild. Except yeah. they're both like crazy god level powerful, so you would need <laughs> <laughs> super like crazy super villains to keep it going. But I mean, if they can make a Superman show, they can make a Swamp Thing and sure. Um So I would say I would recommend it, Noah. I'd give Titans a watch. I mean, there's probably going to be some things that's like, 
Not, sort of, I, sort I of really, eh, but I mean, I enjoyed it way more than I thought I was going to. It's to, to be honest, it's it's weird. I I want to watch it. I think Doom Patrol honestly looks good. I think the Harley Quinn animated series honestly looks good. And I love Young Justice. So that's at least four shows on there that I want to see. But I can't. I just haven't been able to like. Oh, yeah. I mean, the trigger on a streaming service to watch it. Yeah, that's the whole reason I'm like, oh, 10 bucks a piece. I'll totally buy those. Because, yeah, I don't want to have to subscribe to another streaming service or a bunch of shit. So. Yeah, I think maybe if I had more time to, like, read comic books, because, you know, it includes all their yeah. their line library and stuff, and that would be dope. But I don't have time to read comic books anymore. Yeah. So, yeah, I think we're probably going to end up trying to get through Doom Patrol this weekend, so pretty excited. Um, what's the other thing I watched? Um, oh, I watched a movie called Dark Places, Charlize Theron in it. Um based on a Gillian Flynn novel uh, the lady who wrote the Gone Girl book that the movie was based off of okay. uh, I read the book a while back and enjoyed it so I was kind of excited to watch the movie the movie is, the movie is okay I feel like it uh, has to condense too much of the book to you know fit into like an hour and a half movie wow. but maybe if I hadn't read the book I'd be more on board with it but I don't know. Like, it's okay. It's not great, but it's got an interesting, uh, uh, interesting sort of narrative to it. Um, so this girl, her, well, the, the sort of story is her, when she was younger, her brother, uh, went crazy and killed her two sisters and her mom. So she's kind of grown up in this like fucked up life where, you know, she's always the person whose brother went crazy and killed her family. And so she's gotten older. Her whatever trust she had set up when she was little, like it's running out of money. So now she's trying to figure out ways to come up with ways that she can almost sort of exploit her celebrity to end up getting money for it. Um, so she gets like an offer from this uh they call it the the kill kill club and it's basically like an in-person version of um like those online communities that try to solve crimes and all that stuff Uh, so they bring it to her attention that they don't think that her brother did it so she starts she at first just agrees to sort of uh help them um research and try to figure out who did it. She first is just doing it because they're offering to pay her to do it. And then she starts to actually maybe believe that her brother didn't do it either. So sort of just follows her on this journey where she's going back over. And a lot of the story plays, plays out in flashback where we see like sort of what happened and how, what was going on with her family leading up to um, uh, the night that like everything went to hell. So it's all right. Like I said, enjoyed the book. Movie is okay. Uh, like if it was on cable or something, maybe watch it, but I wouldn't go out of your way to see it. Uh, and the last thing I watched was 1983's Suburbia, which is a movie by Penelope Spheris, which is just a movie about sort of a bunch of like homeless punk kids 
just all the crazy shit going on in their life. Um, I always kind of heard about this movie, but I've never seen it. And I saw it was on Amazon Prime, so I'm like, fuck it, I'll watch this while I'm working. It, it literally is just this kid sort of decides that his home life sucks, so he goes to live with all these kids who um, live in these rundown houses So in L.A. So apparently the city, state, whatever, sort of imminent domained these houses to build this uh, interstate, this freeway. And so, so these houses were just left empty. And the city hadn't gotten to tearing them down yet. So these kids were just like holding up in these houses and living and they'd go to punk shows and just you know, whatever crazy 80s punk shit was going on. Um, so it's interesting. Apparently this was like a true thing that happened. Like they, they, you know, eminent domain to these houses and then just left them standing like forever. And it was to build a freeway. And this was going on in 1983. And the freeway that they were building in real life is the freeway in speed where they have to jump the bus over the bridge. It's not completed. So they were still working on it when speed came out, like almost 15 years later. That sounds about right. (laughs) So I thought that was pretty hilarious. See what we've learned is that they just built enough of it to use up their budget for the year. And then they stopped (laughs) next year. They built just, so they had to get those houses through eminent domain because they needed to use their eminent domain budget for the year or else they wouldn't get it the next year. See? Makes perfect sense. It all comes back around. Uh, the movie's okay. It's, it's, um, it was one of Penelope Spears' first movies. So it's just kind of rough. And apparently she used, like, real punk kids. There's only, like, one or two, like, people who were actually actors in the movie. Um, and then randomly Flea from Red Hot Chili Peppers is one of the punk kids, too. So, I don't know. It was just a weird sort of view into this weird lifestyle that was going on in the 80s. And sort of putting it up against the thought that, like, oh, these kids are terrible. They're, like trying to like destroy our neighborhood and stuff but then but then they show you they're like no they're really not but everybody sort of like bagging on them and just giving them shit all the time and whatever is what's actually causing like all the problems because then they start a bunch of shit with these kids and then you know one of them gets killed and like shit goes crazy so I don't know it's just an interesting kind of look it's just a weird lifestyle in the early 80s may or may not have been uh, captured convincingly on film, but um, yeah, I mean, I'd say it's worth a watch if if you're into sort of just uh, uh, I don't want to say the mystery because it's not really a mystery, but just just dipping your toe into like this weird movie maybe you've never seen before or whatever. So I don't yeah, watch that it. One's actually, that one's been on my kind of maybe I should watch that list mm. for a long time. Yeah. And I would say you have I, not helped I, me in any way decide whether to watch it. <laughs> I think you would probably actually really enjoy it. I'm just yeah. trying to think of how to like frame it to like people. Cause I mean, again, it's not really like, there's no like, Hey, we have to 
save the rec center or sort of situation. It's just, hey, kids are homeless. So you probably shouldn't live out here by yourselves. Yeah, but everybody's fucked up. So we kind of just want to live out here by ourselves. And then, you know, shit goes down. That's kind of the whole point. It sounds interesting. It sounds like, I don't know, just, just a look at a different lifestyle more so mm. than anything else. For sure. The acting is horrible. So don't don't go in looking for for Oscar winning performances, but I do find it interesting that she grabbed like real punk kids and just kind of threw them into the movie though. Yeah. For the purposes of a movie like this, that might be better than having really good actors. So yeah, I'd be curious if you give it a watch, like what you would think of it. I might give it a watch. Here's a brief glimpse of some of the truly fine pictures we've scheduled in the near future. Uh, Noah, did you figure out what we're watching next week? I did. It was our debate, but I think I got it. Yeah. Uh, how about we do some uh, big monkeys? How about we do uh, King Kong '76 and uh, King Kong Lives? Awesome. I think we're always down for some big monkeys. That's what I'm saying. Well, I know they're apes. Don't correct me. If I could hear the listeners, I could hear the listeners from the future. <laughs> they're monkeys. I think they're fictional characters and therefore don't technically qualify under either category yeah but you know somebody oh inst- uh, instantly instantly somebody heard me say monkey and they were like oh you motherfucker they're apes they don't have tails <laughs> so why can't we just all be primates and just learn to get along the other biggest contender was uh flight of the navigator and the rocketeer i like that it's my my ones that i put on are you now picking it's like a well, no, it's the worst thing because every time I'm always like, you know what? We need to do more horror movies. We have a bad habit of getting away from horror movies. And then I get on there and I'm like, oh, Flight of the Navigators on there. <laughs> I want a little robot to do a Pee Wee Herman impression. I just want to hear the line, I don't leak, you do, remember? That's, that was my favorite <laughs> joke in that movie when I was a kid. Uh, so I looked on that Women in Prison film site to see if it yeah. might be on there. Uh, it's not. But there's a movie called Kinky Kong that maybe we should watch instead. <laughs> uh, I don't know about this instead stuff, but I'll go with as well. I don't um, know. It's listed you in softcore erotic films. You just robbed me of, of two hours of my weekend. <laughs> <laughs> sounds like more like 15 minutes of your weekend, to be honest. The tagline is the eighth wonder of the world, dot, dot, dot likes to watch that's amazing (laughs) Uh, this sounds horrible I'm attempting to send you guys a link and my computer's being slow as fuck and I don't know if it's my computer or if it's gmail that's slow or what so in Manhattan Seymour is a fast talking flatulent frustrated director of titillation flicks in search of fame and fortune with a crudely drawn map he sets sail for Bone Island his crew, including Fanny, his latest discovery. The island is home to the legendary Kinky Kong, a massive gorilla. The crew overcomes the ape and takes him back to New York to exhibit, but chains break and the ape is on the loose. Liberty is in danger. <laughs> Directed by John Backus, who also made Erotic Time Machine and Vampire Vixens. I quit. I quit the show. Movies, movies are done now. <laughs> it's all been done. 
the second they made Kinky Kong, they made the film industry obsolete. <laughs> oh, good lord! It's like it's one of those weird like BuzzFeed lists you'd find online. It's like the five movies that ended film as we know it. It's like Ricky O, the story of Ricky. <laughs> Kinky Kong. What the fuck? Please remember to replace the speaker on the post when you leave the theater. And now, folks, it's time to say goodnight. We sincerely appreciate your patronage and hope we've succeeded in bringing you an enjoyable evening of entertainment. Please drive home carefully and come back again soon. Good night. Thank you.